Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, sitting alongside my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, we're another day closer to the big Week 16 Monday Night Football showdown at U.S. Bank Stadium between the Packers and the Vikings. It'll be in prime time, obviously, Monday night. As I was thinking about this game before we turned on the cameras to start the show, all these different matchups started going through my this is this Packers Vikings showdown is a game of matchups. There's going to be some really intriguing one-on-one type of battles to keep an eye on. So let's just work our way through some of them. What's the first one that comes to mind for you? So there's a couple, right? Okay. And and I think we're gonna probably take some time here and go through all of them throughout this show. But I, I would be remiss. My tendency is I want to say Stefan Diggs, right? But I think we got to go back and we got to remember that week two game and remember some of the the storylines that came out of that. Yeah, Kenny Clark ate Garrett Bradbury's lunch in that game. Uh, that was a big reason for the disruption they were able to cause and being able to get Kirk Cousins off his spot. Now Bradbury's a rookie; he's matched, he's matured, he's gone through this whole season. So yeah, he's what, in a different place now, I think, than he was in week two when he was playing his first road game yeah. in the NFL. So seeing how that matchup plays out, because you got Kenny Clark now, who's playing some of his best football yeah, of the year, no doubt, going up against Bradbury, who's settled in. With I think an offensive line that people generally would consider to be improved for Minnesota this season, I, I think that's just one little thing in terms of like if you're talking about the follow up to that Week Two game, mm-hmm. that's going to be one to track. But I would be, I mean, it is Stephon Diggs. How the Packers want to defend him, what exactly the the utilization is going to be of him in this offense for Minnesota? You talked about it on yesterday's show. I mean, the effect he's had, how successful he's been, and just the the day one to today consistency of his production uh, has been a real problem. It's been one of the reasons, too, that Kirk Cousins has been able to get into this groove after both of them worked through a few things earlier this season. Yeah, I know neither you nor I is in the defensive meeting game planning room here, but I'm just going to toss this out there. We know it's Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, and we know there's Jair Alexander, Kevin King, and Tremont Williams as the top three cornerbacks for the Packers in this mix. Do you think Mike Pettin wants to match up you know, match guys one on one and and travel around, or do you think he wants to keep guys on certain sides and and see where it falls so that Alexander will get snaps against both of those guys? For example, do, do you have any gut feeling as to how this might go? I have, so, I call it select matching, right? Because okay. I, I think you could take Jair, and I, I think something I I really would like to see them do this final stretch of the season is really match him up with guys. So whether or not it's Diggs, whether or not it's Galladay. And then certainly whatever happens in a potential playoff run here, but at the same time, I think when Thielen's in the slot, I, I'm fine with Tremont Williams being the guy. Maybe covered him with some help over the top. Jair, I just I, I've said this a couple times now, Mike, but I just think he's graduated to a role now where he can handle just being on a star receiver and being accountable to that assignment where he doesn't need the extra help or attention. And that's so valuable in this league. I think. Oh Sam, no question. Sam Shields, when he was at the peak of his power probably 2014 that's where he was really good right I mean they could they could take him and they could put him against Calvin Johnson they could just have him match up against specific receivers and he'd be just fine yeah Al Harris was a similar guy sort of in the the previous uh, generation of the Packers defense you might say I just think it'll be really interesting to see because Thielen is back from his injuries missed a bunch of time in and out of the lineup with a hamstring issue but with Diggs and Thielen both on the field 
and with uh, with how the Packers are going to to match up there. I do think I, I think Alexander obviously has risen to a level, as you say, that uh, that puts him in a little bit different category than maybe the Packers have had at cornerback over the last couple of years. And and that's a that's a nice piece for a defensive coordinator to have, and especially at his young age, Mike. I mean, yeah. You talked about Al Harris. Al Harris was in the league for four or five years before he became an entrenched starter. Right. Sam Shields was in the league for three four years before he became an entrenched starter we're talking about a 22 23 year old young man yeah that has been thrown into that and really does not back down from it he's a heads-up player he's a smart player he plays with his instincts and that's what completes him it isn't that he's just fast and quick and you know athletic it's what Jair does during the week and in, in, in the classroom that has allowed him to become the player that he's going to be because he's on a really solid upward trajectory right now to being elite yeah well obviously you mentioned one of the matchups in the trenches Kenny Clark against Garrett Bradbury I think the other one or ones that people are certainly going to be talking about we mentioned Daniil Hunter quite a bit on the show yesterday Hunter against Balaga on one edge Everson Griffin against David Bakhtiari on the other edge and these are matchups that are really, really key for the Packers in this game because the Packers' offensive tackles, you're on the road, the tackles are the guys furthest away from the ball, sort of on the island where those those edge rushers have that advantage with the crowd noise and the silent count yeah. by the offense, all that kind of stuff. So this becomes a huge task, and we've seen it, Wes, I mean, so many times, and not just the Packers, but anytime the Minnesota Vikings play at home, if if those edge rushers start to take control of the game, they get they get the sacks, and sometimes it's sack fumbles, and they just they can just completely stymie an offense with what they can do off the edges. And the Packers have their three-time All-Pro and now Pro Bowler David Bakhtiari <laughs> against uh, the snubbed Brian Balaga. Um, this is just a really really big game for both of those guys. It is, and that's one of the reasons why. And, and you talked about it on the show, and you wrote about Inbox, and I made a headline out of it in Inbox. <laughs> The the NFC man, the, the NFC North just doesn't really get a lot of respect, I, and I never understood that. Uh, as much as I'm sure fans like to beat up on each other about the Vikings and Bears and Lions, NFC North has been pretty darn good for the past decade. And there's been a more often than not, there's been a wild card team that's come out of this division in some cases too. I mean, yeah. that's just the way this thing plays out. And with that has come a lot of really good pass rushers because when Aaron Rodgers is a predominant player in your division, you have to be able to pressure. The Bears did that with Khalil Mack, and just these bevy of pass rushers that the Vikings have had over the last 10 to 15 years, it really speaks to that. So for Brian Bulaga to, to be consistently facing off against that caliber of opponent, yeah, I don't want to get back into why he got snubbed and all that. We've discussed that enough, but the fact that the Packers can go into a game like this and they do it twice a year against Minnesota and always feel okay about their chances, that's a really testament. That's a big testament to him and David Bakhtiari and the rest of that offensive line for being able to make sure that their quarterback is protected. Yeah, I don't want to revisit all the Pro Bowl thing the whole Pro Bowl thing either, but I will throw this out there because it just occurred to me. Maybe Brian Balaga didn't get any recognition in the whole Pro Bowl thing because he hasn't signed a new contract for five years. He's in the last year right. of a five-year extension, so there haven't been any headlines out there about Brian Balaga getting paid all this money. You know, I, I just I just think maybe that was part of it, and, and that's not his <laughs> fault by any means. Man. But you know how this goes in terms yeah. of recognition and, and, and how names and numbers and all that become attached to certain guys. And he signed his 
his most recent contract heading into 2015, and he's in the final year of yeah. that deal right now. That's just that's just the way it is. This, this is what's disappointing, though, Mike, right? Because, like, it, it's one thing for to be like, oh, the fans, they don't know what they're talking about. Or they voted. <laughs> the, the, if you look at the Packers, they had the fourth most votes among teams in the NFL, uh, and, you know, a lot of their players were well represented. I think Brian Blaga, for a certain amount of time, was up there on the tackle fan voting, too. So a third of the other vote is coaches, and the other third is players. Like, are they that detached from this that they can't pick up on those sort of things? I, I don't, don't know. know. Yeah. The question was asked in Insider Inbox about if you put more weight into all pro or pro bowl. I always say all pro. Oh, no question about it. Because I it's, know the people. It's a much more elite group. There are fewer selections. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's not it's not just a voting popularity type of thing amongst amongst fans and fellow players and stuff i mean these are the these are the associated press writers who cover this league year after year after year and they take this stuff seriously yeah absolutely I, I they take to, the responsibility very seriously i don't want to talk out of turn here but i know a lot of the guys that do this you know in green bay and in other places i mean they go around and they're talking to players about particular pass rushers and, and offensive linemen they're trying to get into the nitty-gritty details they work hard to make sure that those things have the credibility to it but yeah, who deserves it at the end of the day there is a pro bowl game that's where the attention is that's where the eyes are and unfortunately you know sometimes the popularity sort of sways uh, what I think maybe is sometimes the really deserving guys, but yeah. it is what it is. All right. Well, a little bit of sponsor business here. Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. Okay, another matchup I want to throw your way because I think this is a really interesting one. And for me, it's Aaron Jones against Eric Kendricks. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because we've seen teams – when Aaron Jones is split out in the slot or split out wide to potentially be a pass receiver running routes and whatnot, we've seen teams take different approaches. The Kansas City Chiefs got burned by trying to cover him with a linebacker, and the Packers ended up winning that game in large part because of what Aaron Jones did as a receiver. Other teams have, have decided to put a cornerback on him, has, which has taken away some of those routes. The Minnesota Vikings have one of the best, if not the best, cover linebacker in the league right now in Kendricks, and I don't think they're going to mess around at all with asking some cornerback to cover Aaron Jones as a pass receiver. It's going to be Eric Kendricks, and if the Packers want Jones to be involved in the passing game, that's a matchup Jones has to win. Yeah, the only modification that the Vikings can make here, and it's because they are the Minnesota Vikings that are as deep as they are with their secondaries, they could potentially put a safety on them just because of how deep they are if they're in some of their sub-packages. But that being said, at the end of the day, if you have a coverage linebacker that you feel good about, Nine times out of ten, he's going to be the guy going up against that running back because yeah. you feel good that he's not going to get burned. I'm, so I'm doing a and a right now for, for Eric um, Smith over with the Vikings this week, and, and he gave me five lists of questions, and one of them is which player on both sides of the ball are you most excited to watch? And I make the kind of comment of, well, you can just pick pick whoever you want on the Vikings defense. There's a lot of the guys that are worth the price of admission. Yeah, and guys we've been watching for a number of years now. But Eric Kendricks is one of my favorite guys in this league. I loved him when he came out of college. I think he brings a really unique dynamic skill set to that position, and he's one of the future of that position when you're talking about guys that can play three downs and being as effective as he could still be uh, when operating in space and in coverage. So he, he's really, he's become again one of these guys in this defense that I think you have to watch out for. And the nice thing is, the, again, getting back to the sequel to that Week 2 matchup is, well, Aaron Jones is a lot more of a known commodity when it comes to the passing game. For so sure. 
How does Mike Zimmer want to attack that? How does Matt LaFleur want to attack this? Are we going to see more two-back packages again to kind of throw them off? Are we going to see him motioning, you know, outside back to the backfield to, to see exactly what, you know, matchups they can win from that perspective? There's a lot of questions going into this, but no matter which way you slice it, it's going to be Kendricks and Jones that ultimately are going to probably be the ones that decide who ends up being the victor in that in that battle. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really interesting one, and certainly uh, Kendricks will be trying to plug holes you know, in the box when Aaron Jones is taking handoffs as well, not just uh, trying to cover him as a receiver. Another question to throw your way, who covers Devontae Adams? Do you think they go with Trey Waynes? I think it's going to be Waynes because Xavier Rhodes has not had the season that we're accustomed to yeah. seeing from Xavier Rhodes. I think they're going to put Trey Waynes on Adams and then just deal with the other matchups as they come. That's probably right. Uh, we talked a couple days ago. Might have even been yesterday. We've done a lot of shows this week without locker room availability. Uh, but, you know, when I mentioned they aren't quite as dominant defensively as they've been in Minnesota, I think a part of that probably does factor into Rhodes and, and yeah. the past defense. Yeah. Uh, but Trey Waynes was an investment too. And, and Waynes has kind of always had to sit in the shadows a little bit there, uh, even though he did come in as heralded as he was. When you have Xavier Rhodes there, it's going to be tough to really stand out. But I think he is probably one of the future for them at that cornerback position. So, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Now, the real question is, if the Packers keep showing these slant in these slot looks with Devontae Adams, how do teams want to attack it? And exactly, yeah. are you going to travel guys there? Are you going to throw your nickel back on them? That's something that we're going to have to see because the Packers didn't go out just flow blown say this this week, but them moving him to the slot and then getting the matchup against Scrine you can see that was something they just wanted to take advantage of. That that was some I think one of the reasons you see him have 13, 14 targets in this past week. Yeah, well, and Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur both said that that fourth down play in the early stages of the Bears game, that was not designed to be a shot play for the end zone. But Adams in the slot, they got the matchup against Scrine, and uh, Aaron Rodgers just let it rip. Yeah, and it was one-on-one -on -one without really any help over the top. Right. So it was a great, you know, you know, thing for them. I, I more than anything right now, Mike. I think you're seeing Devontae Adams find his stride again. I, I know there's been some ups and downs for this offense, and they're they're still trying to get some things ironed out. But Devontae Adams is looking like Devontae Adams again, and you're going to want to get him the ball as often as possible. And how teams want to defend that, starting with the Vikings here, that's going to probably give you a big indication of when are the opportunities going to open up because. As much as it can be about Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, and trust me, that's where the, the ball has to run through here for the Packers if they're going to make yeah, a legitimate run. That's going to be the bread and butter of the offense, no doubt about it. It's that attention that those two drive that are going to get Jake Kumaro a 49-yard catch. It's going to open up Alan Lazard for opportunities. So uh, this is it's going to be a really fascinating way to watch this thing play out and see exactly with where the Packers' offense is in Week 16, how Mike Zimmer, one of the NFL's brightest defensive minds, wants to really match up with that. Well, that's that, and that's the last matchup here I want to get to because we've seen it over the years, and what I'm talking about is Aaron Rodgers against Mike Zimmer because whether you're talking about those double A-gap looks with Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks you know, lining up on either side of the center, whether they're going to blitz or back off, where Harrison Smith lines up, does he come up to the line of scrimmage and then blitz off the slot, does he, does he stay? back and help out um, right. in one of those other receiver matchups these guys Rodgers against Zimmer they've gone they've gone against one another they've they've put their minds against one another many many times here over the years and but quite frankly it's been a while since maybe one a matchup uh, with these two had this high stakes. absolutely yeah it's been years uh, in that regard and it it is funny that you mentioned the double a gap thing that you quickly pivoted to you know some of the other looks that they can bring 
to me, that's the most dangerous thing about Zimmer's defense now in 2019 is the variance of his yeah. of his personnel packages and how you can move around those pieces. Because let's be honest, Mike, I mean, he was on the very cutting edge with the double-A gap blitz, but now you see that all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's, Packers it's been, against the Giants. It's been a copycat know? league. I still think the Vikings, in terms of the way they disguise it and the way they keep you guessing about it, they execute it Absolutely. Um, as well, if not better than anybody else. But I think Harrison Smith is yeah. that is that extra chess piece that, uh, that Mike Zimmer has. Sometimes Smith will line up in the slot and he'll take the slot receiver. Sometimes He'll line up in the slot, and then boom, he's coming on a blitz, and then somebody else is picking up the slot receiver. But does the quarterback see it right. soon enough to get the ball out? I mean, all those kinds of things. Are, that, that's that's where Zimmer tries to get into uh, get into a quarterback's and, head. And he has the athleticism at that inside linebacker, middle linebacker position to be able to move those guys around and still defend the middle of the field the way you want to be able to defend it. And that's why the double A gap and some of the some of the concepts that they run off that has been so effective for so long. Uh, for them in this league. And I also got to mention, I mean, how Anthony Barr has to be the happiest guy in the room, right? That he ended up deciding to stick around Minnesota rather than setting sails for New York. I mean, yeah. being able to come back and have the year that he's had and for that linebacking core to still be among the league's best, um, that's, that's, that's a formidable group to be a part of. Yeah. One more before we go here because when I, I got said, one too. When I, okay. When I said the phrase quarterback's head, this one popped into my head. Kirk Cousins, six and fourteen in primetime games, zero and eight on Monday Night Football. Is there a psychological component to this at no. all? Do you think when the ball kicks off on Monday night? I don't. I, really I don't, don't think so either. But you I, know, it's going to be talked about here all week and through the weekend until until that game actually starts Monday night. And this is what's unfortunate, Mike, for both sides is that okay, if the Packers lose, well, then you're the team that let Kirk Cousins beat you on Monday Night Football. Right. Right. Kirk Cousins has 111 passer rating. Kirk Cousins is having a fine season. I Best season of his career. Yeah. Anomaly, sorry. Yeah. Having a cold right now. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, that, that streak's got to end. I mean, you just keep flipping the coin. Eventually it's going to come up heads. The Packers just have to hope it's going to happen in another year. But, you know, the, the bigger thing I actually think that is the, that not enough people are talking about is probably people talk so much about the Packers, right? Where's their marquee win? You know, their primetime win. Have they beaten really? Minnesota is a team that has won a lot of games against teams with below 500 records or at 500. This is actually their chance to make a statement against an 11 and three Packers team. No question. About I think it. that's the storyline here is seeing, okay, whatever people think about the Packers and if they're underrated, overrated, inrated, whatever, <laughs> this is a really tough opponent for the Minnesota Vikings. How do they respond to that type of opponent? Because it isn't just Kirk cousins. Now, more and more reports coming out signaling that Delvin Cook isn't potentially going to be playing in this game. Yeah. So that means it is going to be more on Cousins' shoulders. But there's a defense, there's receivers, there's special teams units that have to be able to step up for them. That's, that's my biggest story. Can the Minnesota Vikings be able to reach that pinnacle? All right. You want to wrap it on that? Yeah, got, uh, there, I wanted like... to say one other thing. Yeah. I, do you, you check out the dope sheet very often? Oh, yeah, I look at it. A fascinating, a fascinating little development that I don't know if it was Nate Lacasio or Tom Fanning or maybe it was just Elias dug up. Four punt returns of more than 10 yards so far for Tyler Irvin. His first four all went for more than 10 yards. Yeah. First time that's been accomplished since Derek Mays in 1997. Wow. So the, the thing I wanted to point out, now that was years. such a better thing to end on than this because I just wanted to talk about special teams. That's not that fun. 
Special teams is going to be a difference maker in this game. Yeah, It's going to be seeing if Tyler Irvin can build on his previous successes. It's going to be seeing if Dan Bailey can continue this renaissance here that he's had after the, the carousel of kickers that they went through Minnesota finally ended up on him. Yeah. I, and he I, just won, didn't he just win Special Teams Player of the Week? Third time this year. Third time this year, Special Teams Player of the Week. Yeah, yeah so 91, yeah. 92% uh, accuracy this year. I, I honestly, as much as we want to talk about Cousins and Rodgers and the defense and the offense and all these different people, Special Teams. Special Teams, Special Teams, Special Teams. When we get back into this desk, and there's one more show to shoot this week, when we get back into this desk on Tuesday morning, Special Teams. Yeah, and uh, just the other thing to throw out, too, when you talk about big games – Packers Cowboys 2016 divisional playoff between Crosby's two field goals wasn't it Bailey that hit yeah. a 50 plus yarder 51 51 yarder down in Dallas that tied it up and then set up Crosby's second one to win so, Dan uh, Bailey's a good kicker yeah, man. he is yeah, he's he had is. some ups and some downs but if you put him in a dome he's gonna produce for you if you stick with him yeah, yeah. the Vikings have yeah all right well I think we covered a lot of ground today and tomorrow we will get to actually our keys to victory and what we really think the Packers have to do to win this one. But for now, we are calling it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, and be sure to check out the Packers YouTube channel for all kinds of great video content. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time.